How do you have a relationship with someone you can't see, you can't hear, you can't touch, you can't smell, you can't hug, you can't kiss? Pull up, pull up, like beaming on the place. Push up, push up, doctors flee from the place. Pull up, pull up, like Hello, friends. Welcome. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I'm sharing a sermon from Shaman International Christian Fellowship that I preached September 1st, 2019. And it's a pretty emotional sermon. I was pretty, I was pretty emotional, and um, I had lost my voice the week before, so my voice is pretty raspy. But uh, our congregation was just going through a lot, and there were people that I knew of personally who were just going through some pretty tough things, and they had questions, and they, uh, some of them felt abandoned by God. And so this was my exhortation to us in that moment. Uh, at one point in the sermon, I reference a a poster that my friend Rob Bailey had on the wall of his office. And what it was is was it was a printout of the words God is now here, but they're all crammed together so there's no spaces. So you can either read it God is nowhere or you can read it God is now here. And I make reference to that and when I was speaking it was on the slides that I was sharing with the congregation, but uh, without seeing it it's a little bit hard to follow, so I just wanted to explain that. So I appreciate you listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you. My name is Daryl. I'm from America. I'm an elder here at XICF, and I'm usually not this raspy, but uh, I don't know what happened this week. I lost my voice, and then now I sound like this. Uh, this morning, I want us to talk about a question uh, that I think is, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to use this. I think it's going to be too distracting for me. So Stephen, I'm going to switch to this white microphone. Is that all right? Here I go. Okay. Praise the Lord. But uh, this morning, I wanted us to talk about texting with God and what it would be like if I could just send God a text message and have him respond on my WeChat. I don't know what you think about that. Like, does, does the idea of that sound like a good thing? Or does it sound like, no, you know, my moments are already full. I already get too many WeChats. I'm not really interested in getting anyone else in my WeChat. But uh, why, why is it that we can't text God? Or even email would be okay. Like if I could just send him an email, all the questions I have, all the, uh, all the things I don't understand, I could just put them down in an email. And if God could just respond to me bullet by bullet, you know, just give me answer all of my questions, how come I can't do that? It really points, in my mind, it points to a deeper question. I think, you know... These are some of the most painful questions. I don't know if you've ever been brought to a point in your life where you find yourself going, where is God? If you've ever, if you've ever just wondered, you know, why won't God answer me? Why is God listening to me? Does God not see what's going on? 
What have I done wrong that God would not answer me? And so this morning is my hope that God would shine a little bit of truth into our lives and onto these questions. And if you've ever been in the, at the point, or, or maybe you're there right now, and you've wondered, where is God? Why won't he talk to me? How come I can't hear him? My hope is that tonight his word will reign victorious in our lives. This morning, I'm used to speaking at night. I'm sorry to the youth. This morning that his word will reign. That his word will reign in our lives. Because these, I think these are actually really good questions. And I, I think the danger of these questions is not in asking them. The danger is in to, to stop asking them before you get an answer. Because some people just go, man, I don't know where God is. This world's so messed up. I, just, I quit. I give up. So, Jesus said that um, if my word abides in you, then you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. And so let's let his word abide in us this morning. You know, uh, Rob just went downstairs to do the music for the kids. But the first time I went into Rob Bailey's office, he had this sign up in his office. And I walked in and I said, I, I, it was my, I think it was our first time hanging out together, so I didn't know him well at all. I knew, I, I knew he led worship at church, and so he had this sign up in his office, and I walked in, and I said, God is nowhere, and he smiled, and he looked at me, and he said, read it again. I said, oh. <laughs> he said, it's all about your perspective, isn't it? I was like, Oh. Rob's more spiritual than I am. <laughs> this is Psalm 139. And I want you to let this psalm speak to you this morning. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before me and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day. For darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. 
You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. He's saying, from the moment I was conceived to the moment I die, you're everywhere. You're all around me. You're before me. You're behind me. When I walk on the path, when I sleep at night, if I get on a boat and go to the farthest place, if I get on an airplane, which pretty much we've all done, and gone to the farthest place, even there, your hand is upon me. Quick question, new covenant or old covenant? It's not a trick question. Psalm, you can just look in your Bible. Psalms is before Matthew, right? New covenant or old covenant? It's old covenant, right? Old covenant. This is old covenant before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Old covenant, and he was saying these things. My brothers and sisters, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are the temple of God. You cannot get away from God's presence. He lives inside of you. Here's some new covenant. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Another example of an old covenant would be when, when David commits adultery and murder, and he says, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. That was good for David to pray because he had seen what God had done to Saul, the king that was before David. Saul had sinned, and, and God took the kingdom away from him, took his Holy Spirit away from him. And David's saying, Lord, do whatever you want, but please don't take your Holy Spirit. But that was old covenant or new covenant. Bible says that our spirit has been united with the spirit of Jesus. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God says, even if we're faithless, he's faithful because he can't disown himself. That's how closely we're associated with Jesus, that he calls us part of himself. Okay. Well, if I can't text him, it'd be nice if I could at least feel him. Come, I can't feel God. Where's God? How do you have a relationship with someone you can't see, you can't hear, you can't touch, you can't smell, you can't hug, you can't kiss? That's kind of weird. Who else could you have a relationship with, that, with, with those kind of conditions? If I said, look, I really want to be your friend, but you're not going to be able to see me. You're not going to be able to hear me. We're not going to be able to, to, to touch each other. Like, oh, this is going to be really challenging. <laughs> this is going to be hard. 
because from the moment we've, we, we were conceived, we were trained to operate with our five senses. We come into the world and we immediately start absorbing information. Figure out that mom is the source of everything good. <laughs> God has given us these five senses so that we can interact with the, the physical world. And it becomes, we become completely absorbed in our five physical senses. And we think, if I can't measure it with my five physical senses, then it must not be here. But we know that that's not true. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 talks about our spirit, our soul, and our body. God has created us in his image. That doesn't mean that God looks like Perry, as handsome as Perry is. <laughs> That's not what that means. The Bible talks about that we rest under the pinions of God. God is not a man. When it says that we're made in his image, it means that we have a spirit. That he breathes into us. He gave man a spirit. That's why it's different if you run over a dog with your car or if you run over a person. <laughs> Persons made in the image of God, they're valuable just because they carry the spirit on the inside of them. So you have a soul, you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But we're so trained and we're so accustomed to living in uh, this physical world where we're using our five senses. But Jesus said that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Proverbs, it says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. So see, this is what spiritual darkness is. Spiritual darkness is people who have become so accustomed to living by their five senses that they're unable to perceive anything in the spiritual realm. Imagine, you know, a person with no sight just wandering around looking for something to eat or looking, you know, for, for water to drink. And they, all, they have, all they can do is just use this physical sense of touch. That's what we're like. That's why the Bible talks so much about light and darkness. That Jesus was the light of the world. And that light was life. Okay, so this is hopeful because God's a spirit. We have a spirit. Maybe we can get in touch with the, the one who made us, with our Father. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Spiritual blindness, spiritual darkness. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the water. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So how do I get born again? That sounds good. How do I get born again? I need this new spirit. I want to get in touch with God. I want to stop living by my five physical senses. I'm desperate to find God in my situation. I want to know where God is. I want to be able to commune with him. 
You got to connect with him in, in the spirit. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Paul's asking the Galatians a question in, in the book of Galatians. They've gone from trusting in Christ for their right standing before God to, to obeying the Mosaic law, to being circumcised, to following the traditions that were passed down through the Mosaic law. And Paul asked them this question. He said, what are y'all doing? Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In those moments where we're, where we're reaching and we're, and we're saying, man, I just can't feel God anywhere. Maybe part of the problem is he's not, he's not offering to be felt in your five physical senses. After you get born again, this is amazing. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word. It means dad, daddy. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. When you get born again, your new spirit is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. It's holy, blameless, and above reproach. It's perfect. It's the righteousness of Christ. And when you get born again and you get that new spirit, God is not counting your sin against you. And if you've spent much time at all in religion, I find that that is the hardest thing for us to accept as religious people <laughs> because we, we are so aware of our sin. Or maybe we grew up in a, in a denomination where the emphasis was all about behavior modification and you better stop sinning, man. If you sin, God's going to punish you. If you do this, God's not going to love you. God's not going to accept you. But the Bible says that God isn't counting our sin against us. Oh, man, when Matt was leading this morning, my sin, not in part, but what? The whole, the whole. How much of our sin did Jesus take? What percentage? 99%? 98%? 99.9%? Jesus took 100% of all of our sin. How much of the wrath of God did Jesus take for us? All of it. It's not like God said, hey, well, it's really good that Jesus died for them. I'll put 99% on Jesus, but I'm going to hold back 1%. And that way, when they don't fast and they don't pray and they don't have quiet times and they commit fornication and they commit homosexuality and they rob banks and they push down old ladies at the crosswalk and they kick puppies, then I can punish them with my wrath. No. God has put all of his wrath onto Jesus. And it's that born-again spirit that connects with God. It's that born-again part of us that has fellowship with the Lord. The reason that sin makes it harder to commune with God has nothing to do with God. 
The reason that sin makes it harder to commune with God is because the Bible says that sin hardens our hearts. Sin does not make you unacceptable to God. Sin makes God unacceptable to you. When we live in sin, we don't want to go to God. I'm not for sin, okay? I don't want you to go out and rob banks and push down old ladies at the crosswalk and commit fornication and kick puppies. Don't do that stuff. But none of that stuff keeps you from God because of what Jesus did. Jesus paid the price. God is not angry with you. God is not mad at you. God is pleased with you because if you are in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Yes. He looks at Arthur and he goes, oh, I love that. Not because Arthur's awesome, because Jesus is awesome. God looks at me and he goes, man, I love Daryl because Daryl's dead. It's no longer Daryl who lives, but it's Jesus that lives. I crucified Daryl with Jesus, and now I just see the righteousness of Christ. And that's part of the problem of, of trying to find God in our flesh. Sometimes when we look for God and we're trying to interact with God and we're saying, God, please speak to me. God, I'm desperate. Talk to me. Give me a sign. Send me a text. Shoot me an email. Do anything. And we're reaching out for God in our flesh. The other, the other part of that equation is we, we, we start to think, oh, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm still not good enough. I need to be more holy. I need to, I need to serve more people. I need to share the gospel more. I got to do more for God, and then maybe he'll pay attention to me. Man, your flesh is not going to improve. It doesn't matter how much you share the gospel. That does not improve your flesh. The Bible says that the body is dead because of sin. If you want to bypass faith, you can't be in a relationship with God. See, that's perhaps the part that some people don't like. It's like, well, I hear what you're saying, but then I have to believe that God exists. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hear what you're saying, but then I just have to trust that God is with me, even when I don't feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get that, but now you're saying that I'm not going to have any warm fuzzies yeah, maybe not. You're saying I just have to believe it, no matter how I feel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't get to bypass faith. And you don't want to, by the way. You know, some people think, oh, I wish God would just show up, and then I believe him. You don't want that. The Bible says that we are, it's our faith that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. Guess what? If God shows up and takes away your ability to exercise faith, he also takes away your ability to receive grace. When, when the opportunity to exercise faith is gone, it's no longer a choice. You know what, what, what God is after is people who will choose to love him. That's why there were two trees in the garden. First Corinthians says that love does not insist on its own way. It's not love. If I say to my wife, 
I'm going to lock you in the apartment. You have to love me. You have to be my wife. If you don't love me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's not love. If I want my wife to love me, she has to be free not to love me. God said, I, I created these people in my image. I want, I want them to love me. But for them to love me, they're going to have to be free not to love me. I think that's part of why he uses faith. Faith is so simple. You know, thank God he didn't choose to, to just do it for the people who are really smart or for the people who are really moral or for the people who are really, could run really fast. You know, he's saying, look, all you have to do is trust me. I want you to trust me. And the Bible says the Lord delights in those who trust him. Okay, so God is nowhere, or God is now here. I want to give us a, a chance to um, respond to the word of God. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We do not lose heart, though our outer self, that's the body, that's the flesh, is wasting away. Our inner self, that's the spirit, is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Brother Matt, would you, would you play a little bit for us? I just want to have a, an opportunity for us to respond to God's word. That maybe you've been calling out to God and you've been saying, God, where are you? I want you to, to realize God is a spirit and he is not going to interact with you in the flesh. I mean, that happens, right? He does that. Maybe we should just say that that's not normal. <laughs> He's inviting you to interact with him in the spirit. And, and you know, it's funny that the Bible would comp that makes the analogy of a birth because when a baby's born, it, it can't really do much. And then it grows and it gets better and better. Listen, living by the Spirit is just like anything. It takes practice. You get better at it. You get accustomed to it. But you have to learn how to do it. We're transformed from one level of glory to another. And so, man, when we, when we first get born again, we just have to start learning. Start developing. You know, the Bible talks about the eyes of our heart being enlightened. The Bible talks about hearing the voice of God. Bible talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. Bible talks about us being the fragrance of Christ, the aroma. What's my point? My point is there's this whole set of spiritual senses that God invites us to develop. In Isaiah chapter 2, he says, I saw the word of the Lord. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father doing it. So there's this whole set of spiritual senses that God says, walk by these senses. Walk in the Spirit. I want you to walk according to the Spirit. Don't walk according to the flesh. The word according to means depending on. So let's take a minute. Let's respond to God. If you want to come up for prayer, Brother Ben, why don't you come up? Uh, Gina, why don't you come up? If you're a lady and you want prayer, uh, you can come and, and 
uh, pray with my wife, Gina. If you're a man and you'd like prayer for, for anything, or if you want to talk about getting born again, if you say, man, I want to be born again. I want the Spirit of God in my heart. You can come talk to Ben or Gina. And uh, let's just take a few minutes. We'll take about, uh, to see what God does, I guess. Let's not put a time limit on. All right, so let's just bow our heads and hold our hearts before the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that you're Emmanuel, God with us. Lord God, I pray for those in this, in this place who are desperate, who are saying, God, where are you? I need you. I want to hear your voice. What have I done wrong? How come you're not speaking to me? Lord, I pray for those people right now that they would reach out to you, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, and that they would trust what your word says, that your word would be victorious in their life. And if that's you, you know, I just want you to open up your heart to the Lord and just be honest. Be honest with God. You don't have to tell me, but just be honest with the Lord and say, God, that's me. I've been walking by the flesh. I've been, I've been making demands of you in the flesh. I've been trying to reach you in my flesh. Lord, I want to surrender that. I want to be born again. I want my spirit to connect with your spirit. And I want to just rest and trust your word that you are here with me. And that you are enough for me. That your presence with me is enough. that that is uh, so awesome where he says what a foretaste of glory divine you know one day our, our spirit is going to shed this this body this shell and then we'll just be in the glorious presence of the lord right now where our, our our ability to perceive reality is just limited but it won't be forever we're going to be in his presence forever Let's sing that verse one more time, and then we'll be dismissed. Thanks, man. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. 
This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. All the day long. Amen. 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 Why don't y'all stand up? I'm going to bless y'all with the word of the Lord. This is the end of 2 Corinthians. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name. Amen.